Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Good morning to all of you. Good morning to everyone at Philadelphia Tabernacle. Come on, CT. Let's show some love to our family in Philadelphia. Everyone watching online, God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. And I'm so excited about the next few moments as we continue studying the book of Mark. We've been in a series titled Walking in Power. And the title of today's message, I'm getting right into it today because we're going to be taking communion and I want to make sure that we have time for it. The title of today's message is a clean heart. How many want a clean heart before God? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this message, I, I'm pretty sure there's not a person who would argue that if you want to walk in power, you need to allow Jesus to cleanse your heart. A clean heart is crucial to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, as we read today from uh, Mark chapter 7, Jesus tackles a clean heart in a very blunt and direct way. This text is a very unique text because I believe it might be the most overlooked text in the New Testament or perhaps maybe the the most denied text in the New Testament. One of the commentators said it was the most revolutionary passage in the entire New Testament. And I'm gonna tell you why even before we read it. Here's why. It's because it's not uncommon for people, even God's people, to deny what they said even though they actually said it. So the reason why this is deep and powerful is because it's very, very common for us as human beings to say something and then say, we didn't really say that. We say, I didn't say that, well, I didn't mean that. And on and on and on it, it goes. And Jesus is making a very powerful connection between what you say and what's inside of your heart today. And we need to listen to ourselves you know, sometimes say, oh, I don't care about that. No, no, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. It's interesting because all you talk about is that. You know, I don't care about money. I don't care about money. It's funny because all you talk about is money. You know, they asked John D. Rockefeller at the height of his power. They asked him, how much more money do you need? And you know what he said? He said, just a little more. It's like, I can't stop. I gotta have more. Some people say, I don't care about politics. I don't care about politics. That's funny, because all you talk about is. And so there's this incredible um, disconnection sometimes, but Jesus today wants to make that connection in a very powerful way. Jesus is saying that what's in your heart and what's in your mouth reveals your state of being. And he's also saying 
Not only does it reveal your state of being, it reveals whether you're clean or not. In this chapter, the Pharisees were coming at Jesus and they were saying, why don't your disciples, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? Because they used to go through all of these rituals and all of these things and big, big show of being clean. And Jesus is saying, you're, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're not really getting this. I want to talk about what really makes you clean. So, so that's the, the kind of bracket of, of today's um, passage. Mark chapter 7. You know what? I need some tissue. Those kids made me cry in my... So Mark chapter 7 says, Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said... Thank you. I need like three or four of these. And I'm going to turn my mic off. This, this is live, folks. Okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, watch this. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. So why don't we become that crowd right now? Philadelphia Tabernacle, become that crowd. This is the word of the Lord. It's living and active. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that was talking 2,000 years ago is talking right here, right now. How many would say amen? So he says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, the disciples asked him about this parable. He says, are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it goes into their, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then goes out of the body. He's being blunt. He's saying the body has its own system for eliminating waste. But what about the heart? The heart is way more important, way more significant as we discuss this. It's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean. It's what goes into your heart. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within... Out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slanders, 13 of them, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, I'm going to borrow today from Luke another uh, verse, a couple of verses, which Jesus talking about the same topic. He expands on this, I think, for the purpose of giving us greater understanding. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his everyone. 
And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so I want to pray right now. I want to pray that God would prepare us to take communion. I want to pray that God would get us ready at, at best or at the least, ready to offer our hearts to God to be cleansed. Okay, there's nothing like a good washing of our hearts with the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Could we praise God right now for the blood? So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would breathe on this moment. Breathe on Philadelphia Tabernacle. Breathe on people who are watching, Lord, from different places around the country, around the world. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would be made manifest wherever uh, my words are heard. May there be a manifest presence of the spirit of God today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to come into alignment with what you say, with, with what you call us to. Help us to come into alignment. God, help us to come under the power of the blood of Jesus, which is the only thing that can wash us clean. Bless this word. Help my feeble lips, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Now, Jesus was always using illustrations. And I really want to break this down today. I believe if Jesus was here today, he might use a car. Specifically, an engine. And so I want to throw up a, a car engine for a moment. Just stick with me. This will make sense. So this is the very inside of the engine of a car, and it's crazy because that mechanism, it's a bunch of different parts. This is a mechanism that works together to take a 5,000-pound car, 6,000-pound car, and make it go 75, uh, 75 miles an hour. It's from what's happening in here. This is the mechanism that drives all of the other parts collectively to create forward movement. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is saying that we have a mechanism. Okay? So let me, let me say very quickly, what is a mechanism? A mechanism is a system of parts working together in a machine a natural or established process by which something takes place or is brought about. So the engine, the car engine is a mechanism that actually moves the car and many of us drove here and it's because of the mechanism. Jesus is saying in this passage, in both of them, we have a mechanism, okay? And here is the mechanism. The mechanism is your heart to your mouth. 
Your heart to your mouth work together. When your heart and your mouth are in alignment with the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You naturally walk in power. You become a blessing. You say things that help people. You say things that encourage people. You say things that lift people, even set people free. Even on your flattest day, you may not even know it, but God can anoint your words. When the mechanism is right and powerful, you walk in power. We have a mechanism. You cannot separate your heart from your mouth. This is a big deal. This is a very, very big deal. And when our mechanism works right, we bring glory to God. When our mechanism works right, we bring joy to the people around us. We bring peace. We bring hope, help, blessing. When the mechanism is not right, then all sorts of malice and hurt and pain and sadness ensue. Heart to mouth tells you a lot of things about yourself. Don't deny that whatever the heart is full of, that's what comes out of your mouth. It's a mechanism. It's the way we work. What your heart is full of will flow out of your mouth. So listen to yourself. What did you talk about the most this week? How did you say what you said this week? Okay, because all you have to do is listen to yourself and it'll tell you what your heart is full of. When your heart is full of faith, when your heart is full of the word of God, you can't help but talk about the word of God. You understand? And so a, a lot of people think they have this perspective of Christianity that Christianity is going to church on Sunday, okay? And, and uh, you go to church on Sunday and you, and you fulfill an obligation and then you go and then there's this independence after you've made that kind of, now the rest of your week is yours and, and it's, it's something very, very different. But how many know when a person is born again, Jesus lives inside and he's supposed to fill our inside and he's supposed to be the center of our lives, right? Love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Somebody say amen. That's the kind of life we're called to live. And you can say that you do, but here's how you really know, you know by what comes out of your mouth. Okay? Whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's what's telling you. That's really on your mind. Now, in the same way that the engine, the, the mechanism of the engine needs a source of fuel in order to work, it's an outside source of power, we too need the right fuel for this mechanism to work, okay? This is very, very important. Here's what you need to understand. If the fuel is faulty, then it will be reflected in the performance of the mechanism. If the fuel is faulty, wrong fuel will impact the performance of the mechanism. So fuel is vitally important. How many would say amen? amen? 
So like, let's look at this illustration for a second. So this is the illustration of the actual engine working. And this going up and down is a piston. And inside of that space, what happens is like, like five, uh, 500, 5,000 times a minute, I forget, it'll come up, all you car experts, have mercy on me, okay? Look, 500 revolutions per minute. So what happens is this, the gas, gasoline, is inserted into that, you see those color spaces? Gasoline is inserted there, and there's a spark that causes this tiny explosion. The force of that explosion pushes the piston down, and it happens so many times. All those little mini explosions are so powerful and so strong, 500 explosions in one minute, that it starts to turn all of the other mechanisms that turn the wheels and enable the car to go 75 miles an hour. And it better be in the right speed zone, but let's keep, let's go, right? So it's the fuel. Now, if you put water into that space, the car's not gonna move. Okay, you could put water, you could put Coca-Cola, you know, you could put wine in there, you could put alcohol in there, you could put cannabis, CBD, whatever you want to call it now, weed. <laughs> you can put whatever you want in that space, and if, if it's not the right fuel, it's going to impact the performance of the mechanism. Okay, okay, so now there is a parallel to your life and my life. Let's go back to this. Whatever you put inside of your heart, it's a form of fuel. And what you put inside of your heart influence, I mean, this is where you get motor mouth from, but that's a different story. So, so, Fuel, the kind of thing that you fill your heart with will determine, let me put it this way, okay? If you put the right fuel into your hearts, like the word of God, right? If you put the word of God in, then guess what happens? When you fill your heart with the word of God, then the spark of faith takes place and there's this mini explosion inside of your being and that explosion of faith transforms who you are from an average person into a person who can walk with the anointing of God and the power of God and faith and blessing. You begin to operate with the instructed tongue that's a Sustains the weary, the Bible says. When we fill our hearts with the word of God, it's, it should be causing these many faith explosions that all of a sudden impact what you say, what you do. You know, there's a, there's a motion to your life. This is deep, this is powerful. You know, it, all throughout the week, we have made decisions and statements based on what's in our hearts. I think I mentioned this last week, or maybe I didn't. I thought about mentioning it. I was talking to a brother who was getting surgery. I called him to encourage him. He was so full of the word of God, he was like prophesying over me. I was like, what is this? <laughs> He's getting surgery. 
but he's prophesying over me. Why? Because when you fill your heart with the word of God, even surgery won't get you down. No matter what comes at you won't get you down because your mechanism is full of the word of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and it changes who you are. So I tell people all the time, look, just read the Bible every day for 30 days. Tell me how you feel. It's crazy. Now, this is a very good opportunity to explain um, the concept of preferences versus principles. Okay? There's preferences versus principles. And when we process preferences over principles, it's a tricky thing. Because you can agree with what I'm saying. You can agree with the principle, but still take, still be fueled by your preference. Okay? So preferences are feeling-based. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you making that big life decision? Because that's, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like when people are like, I feel like I'm going to make this giant decision. I feel like, I feel like, I'm like, stop. Please don't make a decision until you get a sense of, I've heard from God. You see? Amen. So preferences are flesh-based. It's like just, I like it, you know? My flesh likes this, okay? Principles are spirit-based, okay? Preferences are momentary-based. I just want this right now. The short-term gain while you end up with a long-term loss, okay? Principles are eternity-based. Now, let me give you like three quick illustrations to apply this. And um, uh, this, this we, we do this all the time. Businessmen do this all the time. So when I talk to the businessmen, let's say businessmen in our church or in other places, um, I love to learn. And so I'm always asking, well, what do you do? I do this. What do you do? I do that. And I, I love asking questions. And I've watched this. Over and over. You could be talking to a business guy, right? And he's as sweet as pie. Then you ask him a business question. You ask him a question about this product or that product or this concept or that concept. And I've watched this over and over again. Something happens. They go from being sweet to ruthless. Okay? Here's what they do. They're thinking risk assessment, cost benefit, among other things. So they're assessing the risk and they're putting this, let's say you think you get the best business idea in the world. You talk to some businessman, you go, what a sour puss. <laughs> no, he's not being sour. He's applying principles. So what he does is he puts in, I, I see, I, their face changes and they, go, they concentrate and then all of a sudden risk assessment. It's like, well, how risky is this venture and, and is the cost worth the benefit and, uh, and, uh, and other things. Okay, now, why are they doing that? Okay, it's because if they make business decisions based on what they prefer rather than on principles, they will be broke in a minute. You understand? It requires rigorous thinking. And so it's just a marvel to see successful people, that's the way businessmen are. 
Okay, we, this happens all the time. Let's, let me give you another example. I've seen this over the years. Like, so now let's move it into something spiritual. So let's say two people want to get married. So they come in for premarital counseling. And when they come in for premarital counseling, we're breaking down the principles of what makes a marriage healthy. Right? And I've seen this happen. Not always, but I've seen it happen. I've seen the lights turn on. I've seen, let's say, a guy or the girl, and they go, principle number one, we don't got that. Okay? Principle number two, I don't think that's in our relationship. Principle number three, definitely not. Principle number four, a, a little. Okay? I've seen, let's say, I've seen a young lady say, hey, uh, I think the world of you, but we're not ready, and if we don't work on this, we ain't working. Okay, so did God just steal her boyfriend away? Did God tell her that she has to be alone for in the desert, you know, in the bottom of the valley for the next 100 years? No, but she made a principle-based decision. It was based on the truth. It was not based on what she wants. See, so many times God is trying to bring the truth into our mind and into our hearts. And when it comes in, we have to make sure that we're not, that we're, that we're not saying, okay, okay, but then we go right back to our preferences. You understand? Like I was thinking today, you know, Philadelphia Tabernacle is a, a year old, essentially. And I remember when CT started. Do you know when CT started, we had a group very similar to PT. We had a group of about, uh, I would say, uh, 20 people, right? Maybe 20 people. And, and it was an interesting group. They had stayed together for a couple years. A pastor left, and they would just have fellowship or whatever. And now Chrissy come along. They invited us to come in and speak. And, and I'm going to talk real, real plain because this is important. So there was, uh, so when I got there, my first Sunday, uh, first Sunday of Chicago Tabernacle's existence, when I started to preach, just a little handful of people, all the men got up, went to the back, and they had donuts and coffee in the back. And while I was preaching, they were standing up, uh, eating donuts, drinking coffee. Okay? That's a way to do it. But how many know that was the last Sunday in the history of Chicago Tabernacle that the men were up having donuts and coffee while I was preaching? <laughs> we ended that right quick. They may have done it two years. That was their preference, but we didn't do that anymore because we felt like the principle of the Word of God was more important. Okay? Do you know, wait, 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 listen, let me just tell you, I want to just say this very quickly. So one of the people in that group was in ministry. I won't give details. But it turns out that he had, he was living with a woman. He had a six-year-old and a three-year-old and, um, and was in ministry. So this was like week number three. And in week number three, we were meeting in this building over there. And uh, our office, the, the, the church, we were meeting in the basement. The church was kind of condemned. No, kind of condemned. The church was condemned. 
and we couldn't meet in the sanctuary. It was, you know, Pastor Jose was, was one of the originals and Pastor Jose immediately took on the stewardship of, of trying to clean. We had a big giant fan and I still remember coming in and Pastor Jose had a giant can of Lysol and he would turn the giant fan and he'd go <laughs> That was our high power cleaning process. So, um, so anyway, he's, he's living with this woman. He's been living with her for 10 years. He's got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and he's doing all kinds of ministry and talking to me about spiritual things. And I said to him, look, come here next Sunday, bring your wife. This week, go to the justice of the peace. Get your license. You'll get married. If you don't get married, you're not going to put a thumbtack on the wall. Harsh? No. I said, I love you. I want to help you. The way you're living is bad for, your, for you. It's not good for your wife. It's not good for your kids. Okay? Step up. You can be the man that God has called you to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. The first wedding of Chicago Tabernacle was in my office and it was in a messy room. We would, we, would, we would clean it up. We would push all this debris to the corner. I remember Dawn Labadi would come and she would put a coffee there and a little deal. We'd just clean up this one little cube. So they came right next to the little desk. He had a shirt and tie on and she came with a sweatshirt on and sneakers. That was the wedding. And you know, I wondered, she must have come that way because she probably was waiting for that moment for a long time, but he was dragging his feet. But look, they got married. And can I tell you something? He, was, he had all kinds of issues, but he started to put principle over preference. You know, I don't, I don't why do you gotta get married? That's, that's, that's world, that's tradition, that's this, that's that. No, that is the word of God. Come on, somebody say amen. So he starts to take in the principles of God, okay? My sermons can't change anybody. Please know that I know that there's nothing humanly possible that I could do to change your life, okay? Just know that. However, if you listen to God's word, which may come out of my mouth, and when it does, listen to it. If it doesn't, don't listen, okay? But he started to take in the word. He started reading his Bible. He started praying, started coming to prayer meeting, all these things. I watched him. He became a man of God. Listen, I watched his kids grow in the things of God. They, they, moved to, they moved someplace else, but man, I was, so, he, I was so elated every time I saw him in ministry and doing certain things. And let me tell you why. It's because he received the fuel that God wanted to put in his heart. He received the truth. He received Jesus is the person and the principle all at the, at the same time. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody believe in the power of the truth today. And it's the same, it's the same. Look, people in Philadelphia will be challenged. We used to do things like this, okay. 
But if what we're saying to do is what the word of God says, how many know we got to jump on board and do what the will of God says in Chicago Tabernacle? You got to jump on board with God's plan for your life. Well, I don't think I like that. Listen to this. This is what J.B. Phillips said about the wrong fuel. Okay? This is a powerful quote. He said, these are the things that wreck homes and ruin lives and start wars and spread disease. These are the things that in their appalling and incalculable sum were to be placed upon the Lord Jesus on Calvary and for which he would have to die. Jesus died for the ugly things in our heart. Jesus died for the things that we used to do. Jesus died for that old way of living. We are no longer slaves to sin. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We can walk in freedom and power. But you have to put his principles above your preferences. Otherwise your mechanism won't work right. That's the way this thing goes. So, remember how important it is to let the truth, okay? If a sermon has truth in it, you gotta let the truth of the sermon get inside of you and you have to cast off the principle, the, the preference. You have to cast off God's way is better than our way. He's always right. And so when we consistently, like Jovan was saying, do what the word of God says, we receive powerful outcomes. Now, to close this up, get us ready for um, uh, communion. I want to make a comparison to a car again. Okay? So, and here it is. Ready? In the same way that a car needs filters, we need filters. Okay, every car has four basic filters. I popped this up on uh, AutoZone.com. There's a fuel filter, there's an oil filter, there's an engine air filter, and there's a cabin air filter, which I found very interesting. It filters the air that you even breathe inside of your car. I didn't fully realize that, but these four filters are crucial to, so that the mechanism will work at an optimal level. I learned I think it was AutoZone.com. I don't know cars, so I'm trying to claim the authority, uh, you know, put the authority out there. Two aspirin tablets of dirt in your engine will age it by 75,000 miles. Imagine taking two little aspirin tablets and crushing it. That released in your engine will age it by 75,000 miles miles so everybody say we need filters okay so what do we filter real quickly and then we're gonna 
get to this. We need to filter what comes in to our ears. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, I was watching this kind of documentary on Albert Einstein, and it turns out that he, Madame Curie, which is another like famous scientist, they met, and Albert Einstein was having marital problems, and she said to him, marriage is just tradition. You don't, don't worry, just get a divorce. Do this, do that, do this, do that. And here's the greatest mind, one of the greatest minds in all of history. And he was taking his life guidance from Madame Curie, who had a ton of issues. What's fueling you? Who's fueling you? Is it the TV? Is it the news? Is it your friends? Is it friends who don't care about Jesus? Today is the day to think about that because you can't get your heart clean without facing that. Like my mom used to say, tell me who you hang with and I'll tell you who you are. You're hanging out with the wrong people. You wanna get godly, but you're hanging out with the wrong people. No, you have to make decisions. I, I just heard about a brother who made a strong decision. He said, if it's not good for my heart and if it's not good for my walk with God, if it's not good for my family, I'm not rolling with them anymore. Come on, let's praise God for the man who makes that choice today. Come on, can we do that? Hallelujah. This is a big deal. We need to filter what's coming in. And I would say for the Christian, there probably is nothing more important. No, not probably. Forgive me for even saying that. There's nothing more important than the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse our hearts. Come on, hallelujah. If you walk in power, you have to frequently ask Jesus to cleanse your heart. And I just, I was thinking about this this morning, came to my, my mind. You know, my mom, before she passed, she, she prayed the sinner's prayer. She accepted the Lord. Um, and I praise God for that. I believe I'm gonna see her in heaven. But do you know, my mom, since I was a little boy, she came to America in 1959. In like 1960, she had two experiences. But one of them was that in 1960, she went to a church. When she went up to the church, my mom was real dark. And she went up to walk into church to worship. And they told her, it was a Catholic church. She had to walk upstairs to the sanctuary. And they told her, uh, no, black people worship downstairs. And my mom walked out of the church and she fundamentally never really went back. Now, what was interesting is that when I started to meet God, my mom never criticized the church per se. She didn't want to taint me with that. But I always felt like my mom couldn't get over that moment of hurt. And now her son is serving the Lord. She couldn't get over that bruise that she experienced that day. 
And so she was always like, yes, I believe in Jesus. And she was like, yes, I'm happy, you know. I remember when I was, when I was telling her, I, 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 I brought Chrissy home. I want to marry this girl. What do you think, mommy? She, she's the one. Even though she, she didn't speak Spanish, she was gringa, little blanquita. <laughs> You'd have thought she was like, no, no, Cubana, you know. Nope, she didn't do any of that. She's like, nope. She's in line with what you're going to be doing in the ministry, right? So it was, a, it was this thing, but for her personally, she could never get past that. So she, her walk with God was limited. The blood of Jesus is crucial, not just for ugly things that you and I have done, but it's crucial for ugly things that people have done to you. Because if, you're, if your mechanism is contaminated, it's still contaminated. So, you know, if you've been hurt by someone, the blood of Jesus says, I paid for your sin, I paid for their sin too. Hallelujah. How many would say amen? And I, this happens every once in a while. I meet someone who's been hurt by the church. And if you've been hurt by the church, if you've been hurt by a pastor, if I've hurt you, one of the pastors have hurt you, can I just say sorry? I'm sorry. I want to apologize for anyone who's been hurt by any minister. I'm sorry. worst thing in the world is for a minister not to live up to the ideals of Jesus. But even pastors are human beings. If you've been let down by a pastor or a leader in church, please don't let it box your walk with God in. Don't stay angry. Don't stay bitter. Find it in your heart to receive the merciful, cleansing blood of Jesus. Could we say amen?